guys, in this episode, I happen to kind of curse a lot and like a really bad word, like, you know, which one, the C one. And if you're listening with kids, maybe don't. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Welcome to Did You Get My Text? I'm Meredith Salinger. I'm Pat Oswalt. I like doing this podcast with Meredith Salinger. It's called Did You Get My Text? The best Here comes thing... our episode, Wait. starting now. Yes. The best thing about today's episode is, again, we are in studio. Yes. But the difference now I know, this is, is we are in a new studio in which there is no separation between us and the engineer people. All in the same room, man. All in the same room, but what they've done... They have changed the lighting in such a way that it is very romantic. They have put lights shining on us as if we are on stage in a show, and it's really cool, man. It's really, really moody, but I don't think it's going to actually affect the way the show sounds. So let's just get started. I do. I feel suddenly now. All right. This first tale we have is a really interesting uh, little yarn that we'd love to share with you here on Did You Get My Text? So... Pour yourself a hot cup of chamomile. And welcome to uh, Pat Oswalt and Meredith Salinger again on a show called Did You Get My Text? Get your toes under that comforter, give your cat a pet, and get ready for some texting stories. And three, two, (laughs) one, action. (laughs) Um, So uh, as uh, most of you know at this point, uh, the show I'm on, AP Bio, was not brought back for a new season. We got... We had two seasons on NBC. Uh, they did not pick it up for the third season. Then the fans rallied. It was very gratifying. Uh, then Peacock stepped up and gave us two more seasons. It was great and funny and hilarious and wonderful. And I'm yeah. sad I'm not going to – those kids are so funny. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, it, obviously I love doing the show, um, but I'm, I'm very gratified, and I don't want to be greedy about the fact that we got four seasons for a show that never, you know, had, a, had trouble finding – solid ratings but had really really hardcore fans and i would the fact say the show is interestingly odd michael bryan wrote it very it's weird yeah. a strange thing so it's not like super easy palatable everyone's no. in love with it it's more like quirky and trippy and yeah funny so funny and the people who loved it really loved it yeah i loved so it so that that it was just great to be a part of a show like that that had its own thing and was working at its own pace. Mike O'Brien is such a visionary. And then having... For those of you who don't know, he was also on SNL. He was an SNL writer and he... Um, just just a really unique comedy mind. And then having Glenn Howerton as the star and exec producer kind of piloting... With those blue eyes, through. baby. <laughs> and then also like Lorne Michaels keeping the um, you know network away from what Mike's vision was was really unique it was it was one of those great unique situations and then on top of all of that goodness Paula Pell Paula and Pell, then the three teachers oh my god Paula Pell legendary SNL writer performer the three teachers played by Jean Villapique Lyric Lewis and Mary Son amazing legendary uh, improv actors uh, just you, you can hear Mary and Jean all the time on um, and and Lyric on uh, Comedy Bang Bang on Arrival Network. Sorry, on guys. Drunk history. Um, but they're yeah. just the the quickest, funniest, fastest minds. 
And then on, on top, top of, of that, all of that, then we had a whole uh, gaggle of new uh, young actors and actresses as the students, which started off very much they were going to be sort of a background chorus to Glenn characters, Glenn Howerton's characters shenanigans and were all so good and so unique that they ended up writing whole episodes just about some of the single characters. Of the kids. Um, some of the kids. Uh, uh, Nick Pine, of course, played Marcus, one of the most annoying um, people on the planet. Uh, Aparna. Aparna uh, Brielle played um, Sarika, who, imagine Tracy Flick in election cranked up to 100. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um, uh, Eddie Levy uh, played, um, I'm not, why I'm blanking on his character's name, but he was so, uh, Anthony. Anthony. And then Jacob. Uh, J- oh, God. Jacob Huddle. How do you say his Jacob last- Houston, or I forget how I Huddle- say his- I can't remember how to say his last name. Jacob, brilliant, <laughs> hilarious, so best delivery weird. ever. So and, weird and amazing. And then uh, uh, then on top of all Sarika. of that is the, I talked about um, Sarika played by Aparna Brielle. Oh, but then there was Allison Ashley Arm, now Allison Snyder, who played Heather. Heather. With the um, huge glasses that were like bottle, bottle. Coke bottle Coke glasses. Coke bottle glasses. Kind of a plays a, a rural girl who is sort of into 4-H, and his dad, her dad, runs a butcher shop, but is has many hidden passions, and um, uh, and was just incredible uh, to the fact point that that the the Onions AV Club wrote a whole thing about the show's cancellation, and then put up a video of how about just a spin-off about Heather and it's all of <laughs> Heather's best moments. She's great. And again, like I'm not even mentioning other people um on the show like Grace who's played by um That's who I meant. When um, I um Sorry Aro Arolum I oh, I'm, I'm going to pr- mispronounce her name. Um who is again a amazing actress um also like uh like Allison a short filmmaker a writer all these kids have so much freaking talent they don't even know what to do with um she played a character named Grace very this very very cute girl who the the writers had a lot of fun giving her these weird lines that they never follow up on where she might also be a serial killer or clearly has some mental problems and really had a lot of fun Getting into that character, she says demonic, she knows demonic curses for some reason. Um, at one point, one of my favorite throwaway lines of hers was, "It was alive when I mailed it." So that was just <laughs> oh my! And she delivers it so perfectly. And to let you know how deep a talent pool that they pulled from on that show, a couple of the actresses, one named Marissa Baram, another one, her first name is Yuao, I forget her last name. They were originally hired as background extras. And eventually, through whatever, were given a line or something, and then they ended up building a whole whole episodes around them. So they built them into the show. That is how talented that group of kids was. Uh, and and I so as a fan of you know really good TV, really good movies, I cannot wait to see what all of them do next. They're all going to do fascinating things. Nick Pine, by the way, uh, outside of being an actor and a really good comedian. Uh, professional poker player. And when I say professional poker player, I mean wins tournaments and makes money, sometimes more than he does acting as a poker player. He's really good. Um, Has played with Phil Helmuth and all these legends. So it is a fascinating group, a genuinely fascinating group of people that we got uh, to play all of those kids. And I'm really 
frustrated that I don't get to see what the writers had planned for them. There's an episode this past season where they are... Wait, I just want to say everyone's name properly because these kids are so brilliant. There's a Parna Brielle, there's yep. Nick Pine, Eddie Levy, who played Anthony, Jacob Houston, or Houston, who plays Victor, Sari Arambulo, who plays Grace, um, and Allison Snyder, because she, she was Allison Arm, but now she's Allison yep. Snyder. Um, anyway... And there's also more. There's more. There's Marissa Barham. There's Miguel Chavez. There's Oh, Miguel Chavez was so good. There's Jacob Timothy Manone. Yes. Who kind of looks like Michael Bryan. There's Charlie yes. McCracken. Anyway, uh, and then Elizabeth. I mean, are we naming everybody? Well, I just want to say By the way, the I just want to say really quickly, there are two writers on the show, Brendan Jennings and uh, Charlie McCracken, who ended up getting pulled into the cast. Uh, Brendan um, uh, Jennings plays the janitor. And I forget his name, and he is such a friggin' weirdo and was so funny. There's a scene where – I hope they they preserved it – where he has to come in, and he's angry at, at Glenn Howerton's character. And he, his first thing he says when he walks in the door is, what's your problem, buddy? And the way he said it, we were all in the scene, me, the three teachers, uh, Paul Appel, Glenn, it – he cracked us up. We had to do 12 takes of just him going – What's your problem, buddy? Uh, because everybody else was cracking up so hard. We could not – and, and it, what, what was so weird was that in itself is not a joke line. It's setting up a thing he's saying. Right, but the but way the he said it. the way he said it, it just – Isn't it amazing when you watch a show like SNL or whatever and you see people trying not to laugh? Like on SNL, of course, you get to see them trying not to laugh yeah. because, you know, if it was a real show – not a live show if it was like an edited show. Right, right. You wouldn't get to see that. But it is so fun watching when people bust up. Yeah. There was also a guy, um, uh, uh, McCracken, who played uh, – Charlie McCracken, who played uh, the coach, uh, who who just basically sat in for someone at the table. We hadn't cast the coach yet. And he was so funny that I, I just turned to Mike and said, well, that's your coach. That Have him play the coach, for God's sakes. And, and there's, again, so many other people I'm not even mentioning. It was such a rich – area that we were going to get to play in so it was wonderful and hey i know it didn't get picked up again but again if the fans go crazy and they really want it back maybe they'll do another uh write-in campaign and like bring back ap well we are we do we did get one offer already from the conservative uh, channel newsmax they said they would pick up 12 more episodes however the show has to be changed to ap bayo so we're a little worried about that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there. that's a worry. Anyway, good story. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Go ahead, ask me a question. A situation happened to me the other day, and I texted you about it. Um, and it was awkward. And I need help. Okay. So here's the deal. I was invited. You come to the wrong person. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe just the audience would like to right. chime in or hear this and or think about what they'd like to do regarding this. But I was invited to something mm-hmm. recently, a premiere mm-hmm. that had uh, a friend of mine who wrote it and directed it and blah, blah, blah. Right. And there's a huge after party and it's going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. And I invited a friend of mine. And mm-hmm. I was like, do you want to be my date to this premiere right. starring and directed by this person? Right. And she goes, that asshole? <laughs> and then I said, what? And she's like, she told me a story about how she had a bad experience with this person. Right. 
And right then, literally in that moment, I looked at her and I go, oh shit, okay, well, will you be mad if I disinvite you then? Now, she was, I think that's the right thing to do. Like, Absolutely like, the right hi, thing to I'm do. inviting you to something because I want to hang out with my friend, the director, and uh, just hang out with him afterward, and I yeah. think you'd be the perfect person to go with. And she's like, oh, wait, I had a bad experience with him. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well, I'm going to disinvite you then. Yeah. But that's the right thing to do. I feel like I feel like I might have then hurt her feelings. But in 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 her saying what she said to you, I had a bad experience. This would not be pleasant for me. She disinvited herself. So you disinviting her is not saying, well, now you can't come. It's you going, let me spare you an awful evening. We'll do something together at another time. Right. I think you, you thought of her to hang out with, but you're like, I don't know. I didn't know it would be bad. So I'm going to let you off the hook. Yeah. I, I think she took offense and she, I think it was. She was offended that you disinvited her. Well, from a she's thing like, she didn't we can want still, to go to. No, I think she was under the impression like, well, we can still go, just not hang out with him, and we'll go to the premiere, and we'll. J- and but my whole purpose is, I'm going because it's my friend. And yeah, and you expressed to her, I want to see this person and talk to them and hang out. It's after the reason I'm going. Yes. Well, you invited me, so now you have to take me, and you can't do the thing you wanted to do. That <laughs> right. doesn't make sense. So anyway, I just invited her, but I felt really shitty about it because there's nothing I hate more than hurting someone's feelings. Right. No matter what it is, I'm like, oh, God, I didn't mean to slight you in any way, but, like, it was bad. I feel bad. And then I wrote her a – I'm like, I'm like the person who, if I think I hurt you, I'll, like, write you, like, a seven-page letter going, listen, I never meant to hurt you. I love you so much. Please don't take offense. Da-da-da-da-da. And I'll just go on and on trying to win them back right. over. Yeah, there, I think that's a symptom of childhood <laughs> when, you know, it's like – your parents get divorced, and then you're sort of like, don't go, daddy. And then it's like how you act with all of your relationships. Oh, this just took a dark turn. Like, like <laughs> men will cheat on you, and you're like, let me be better for you. Oh, God. Yeah, that's me. Wow, that's grim. Okay, um, <laughs> let's talk about our favorite bubblegum flavors. No, um, um, anyway, you know what I mean. No, and I know what you mean, and, and that is a very, that's a very frustrating thing when you invite someone to something. And, and, and the thing you've invited them to involves a very specific activity. And they accept your invitation and then go, but if we go, I don't want to do that one thing. And you're like, but that's the reason we're going. Right. Like I've invited friends to um, – I remember back when I was still dating and I would um, – like, hey, I got invited to this really exclusive premiere. And there's a Q&A after with this director I really love. And they're like – well, I'll go to the premiere. I don't want to stay for the q and I'm like, but I'm specifically, I want to see. That's what I want to do. These people. So can, how about I'll take you on a different date and we, and they're like, no, I like, I want to go to the premiere and get photographed. It's like, but no, but I'm not bringing you if you then take me away from the thing I want to do. Right. I'd rather I, go by myself. It's like, hi, this is what I'd like to do. I would like you to join me. Would you like to join me on the adventure that I would like to have? Yeah. Yes or no? But then they go a la carte and go, well, I'll do this one aspect yeah, of no it. Yeah, no a la carte, But the baby. other thing you don't get to no, do. No, no, no. It's, like, it's the combo no. meal. Combo You're meal. You're either coming or not. Okay. But... Now, I'd like to segue this into another portion of this same story. Okay. Which is, it just so happened that this night that I was invited to this premiere. Right. I already previously have scheduled mm-hmm. a girly night with a bunch of my best friends, and uh, one girl is a musician, and she's on tour like through Sweden and all through Europe, and she's flying in, and we've changed this girly night date about a thousand times. Right. We fi- she's finally like, I'm sorry, my tour got shifted, and I'm coming home on this date. Yeah. 
So it's in the calendar that I would go to this girly night. Right. Now, the only reason I even considered this of going to the premiere, well, was because I thought, hmm, maybe I want to go to the premiere instead, but that's right. fucked up to your friend. Right. Anyway, so I wrote on the group text thread with the, with the girls that I'm supposed to have a girly night. This mm-hmm. is what I wrote. Tell me if this is appropriate. Let's hear it. I wrote... Hey guys, I'm just triple double checking this plan because I know people pull out last minute and I've been invited to something that I would absolutely go to if this were not happening this night. But you guys are my first choice. So if anyone's going to bail, let me know. Right? Perfectly because, fine. Yeah. Also because you're reacting to... The many changes that were yes, happening. Yes, the, the, there's precedent for why, why you're saying what you're saying. Exactly. It's like, I don't want you guys saying to me last minute, oh... I have to reschedule again, and then I said no to the premiere, and then I missed out on two things. If it was the first time you guys scheduled this, it would be inappropriate. But the fact that this is the third or fourth, you're like, hey, I'm not out of bounds and bringing up that – Like I've got other plans that I would like to go to if this isn't – I have other options, and this has been canceled a lot, so tell me. Right. That being said, I did ask my friend at the premiere before I sent that text to the girls. I was maybe going to flake. Okay. But that's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line, I'm not going to go to the premiere. I'm going to be with my girls, and that's what's going to happen. I get it. That's that's totally cool. Yeah. That's very nice of you. And it's not like I was like, ooh, I'm going to go to a premiere. I I wanted to see my old friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, this – this life, this business, too many I mean, friends. It's well, I mean, no, it's just you, I don't want to ever make anyone feel like they're second best. Totally. And I don't ever want to, you know. But yeah, I, but I do. Oh Meanwhile, my god! I do invited I, I, everyone to the premiere. I wasn't even considering you. <laughs> you were not even second best, baby. You were like, no, just kidding. No, well, that was good that you didn't because I already know. Man, do I? It, it's so refreshing to actually embrace your limitations. I looked at my calendar that day. It's on a Sunday. I'm flying back. From Pittsburgh, I'm leaving at my car. Like okay, I, nobody cares. But what, what I'm saying is, I'm leaving at five in the morning, and I know oh, I will tired. not be able to do it. Anyway, I'm not can't. inviting you anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's fine. I want to bring up something, and I actually texted it to you. So the other day, you texted me mm-hmm. uh, regarding you were on tour, and um, you you travel from like venue to venue, and you have a driver, and the first driver that you had oh, was an anti-vaxer. And, like, very vocal about it and kind of, like, a little bit scary. And you were like, oh, shit, I don't want this driver again. He's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you specifically said to the company, like, hey, guys, this guy's an anti-vaxxer. He won't wear his mask. Please send a uh, driver next time who right. will. So you wrote uh, – you said they sent the anti-vax guy. We said we wanted someone else. They sent someone else. We're driving with the new guy. I go, wait, what did the anti-vax do when you saw him and said no? You, you said, I never saw him. Irene went down, saw the guy, texted up to me as I was about to go down. Um, you said, I never saw him. Irene went down, saw the guy, and texted up to me as I was about to go down. I called my guy at the agency, and they fixed it. And then I said, smart. And then I wrote, did the guy say, quote, ah, uh, Come on, Irene. Come on, Irene. And then you wrote in all caps, Meredith. And then I wrote, LOL, what? I'm a comedian too, LOL. And then you sent a GIF that said, I hate when you do that. It was a GIF of yourself. Yeah. Saying, I hate when you do that. What do you hate when I do that I called myself a comedian? Okay, first off, it, it it wasn't serious. I was just responding in a funny way, like I hate when you I hate when you refer to yourself as a comedian. As if you do it all the time, that's the first time you ever did it. I just did that as a joke. I know, but again yeah. with a joke. 
Well, you need to get a better sense of humor, for I God's sake. I have sakes. a great sense of humor. I'm just mm. saying the underlying thread. You know, I, I want to amend a couple things to that anti-vaxxer story because it was actually even more sinister than it sounded. Oh. When he picked us up at the airport, he immediately – it wasn't that he – I thought that was funny, by the way. Come on, Eileen. Come, come, come on, on, Eileen. Come Sorry, on, go on. Right. Yeah. Go on, honey. Um, he – did, he was wearing his mask, but he would not stop going. And it's okay if I take this off. Now, I've had COVID. Uh, I got it. And then I got the vaccine a couple days later. And the oh, doctor. Oh, he did get the vaccine. He goes, I got it a couple days later because the doc, doc goes, You're the healthiest fat man I ever seen in my life. But I figure, Oh, well, I'll get the. I'm like, which, I'm like, Well, getting the vaccine now doesn't matter. You got the. You, you went and got the Rona. And then you went and got the Rona. Yeah, and I go, well, did you get the the second vaccine or the booster? He goes, the doc said I'm a healthy. I just got the one shot. I sh-. So I'm, I I don't know what is bubbling up inside this dude's body. Maybe you know he he has some new strain that I don't even know about. And then um, I wasn't mean to him, but I was just like. I think I'd rather we keep our mask on. It was only a, like a 10-minute drive. But in the 10-minute drive, he would not – I was not making any accusations, but he kept coming at me about – I mean, you know, that half of this stuff is just the media trying to get, you know, something to talk about. And, and I, look, I talked to a guy. I talked to a guy who said – and this is when I'm like at my last um, nerve. nerve. He goes, I talked to a guy, and he said the way this thing – uh, it's going. Uh, it's the people that aren't vaxxed that are actually going to be safer because they built up the natural immunity. And I went, wow. So you talked to a virologist with like years and years of uh, experience with. Um, did you? You uh, didn't say that. Yes, I did. And then he was like, it, it's a guy I know, and <laughs> and he's he's one of the smartest guys I know. Uh-huh. And then that's I just kind of fell silent. I was just like. And then you're like, please don't send this guy. And then they did. Oh, and then another point he said. He and goes, then Eileen saw, and then. Irene. She, oh, Irene. Irene saw, and, and then, then she, she told and you, and then. She texted me, all caps, they sent the same guy. And then you called the company, and, and they said, oh, come on, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Irene. I like that story. At, at but, another point, he said, um. About the vaccines, he's like, "Look, I, I, I ain't got nothing against the vaccines, but there's a lot. The stuff we don't know is the stuff we don't know." Exactly. And then I said, "Yeah, except that this vaccine has been developed for like three decades uh, under multiple trials and has been peer reviewed. This kind of technology." And, all this, and, and then he was, and then he life. just kind of paused, and then he just went. But the stuff we don't know is the stuff we don't like. That was right. his only thing back, and then that's when my mind, I'm like. Uh, this guy is not driving me tomorrow. I'm right. done. So then you got a new driver. Well, yeah, got a new driver. Um, the funny one thing... that got his shots. <laughs> one that doesn't. <laughs> anyway, it was yeah, and, and the new driver was fantastic. But what I liked about your story, which segues me to one text that one text exchange I'd like to discuss. Oh, was um, it's not a discussion. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, you were saying I'm a fat guy who got an anti right? Didn't you say yeah, something? I'm like the him? healthiest. Fa- My doc says I'm the healthiest fat guy in the world. Okay, you sent me a text the other day. You were on tour and you sent me a text of yourself backstage, you know, prepping for your show. Right. And I wrote, I texted you back and I said, you look so young and so handsome and so fat and so gorgeous. <laughs> and oh my God, I hope you're feeling better because I want to ravage you when you get home. <laughs> and then I wrote, Jesus, so fit with an exclamation point. So fit, so fit. And then you wrote back, you are such a great mom and cunt. And then, and then you wrote, and then you put a little star. 
I mean, aunt. And then I said, haha, LOL. Yeah. Because that was funny. Because typos are funny. Typos are fantastic, and they will probably lead to the Third World War. But yeah, um, it, it'll be a typo in a tweet that but ends I, civilization. But I thought it was incredibly clever that aunt means cunt. <laughs> Isn't it funny how people from England just say cunt all the time? And like and, and in America, like it's a, like literally the worst thing you could call someone. Well, yeah, cunt is the is the uh, is the nuke that ends the argument or escalates it beyond any repair. And in the UK, it's like oh, he and cunt is almost affectionate. Oh, yeah, cunt. Oh, he's such a cunt. Oh, you know, like like you can't even. That was very Scottish. Was very Scottish. Well, that was the whole. Um, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly does a great bit about how uh, the the how the English use the word "cunt," all the different derivations of it, depending on how it's said. It's depending on the inflection. Well, it's like the word "fuck." That's fucking amazing. Fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at my fucking car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what so, the fuck? I mean, it's or, like or just like fuck. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. you look fucking amazing. Yeah. It's a compliment. The fuck. Yeah. The fuck. Well, yeah. Anyway, cunt is a funny word. Well, it's a very in, oh, you know somebody, what, you know what I think. But what if it? What if it's the fact that in an American accent, cunt does sound pretty harsh, but somehow it sounds in the, cunty. In the British accent, it actually sounds kind of nice. Eh. Ah, he's a cunt, but we well, let him come. Okay, along. you're still doing Scottish when you say English, by the way. Well, I'm, but there's different. There's different. There's not a British accent. There's the more upper class. Well, look, he's a cunt. Yes, but, like that, honey. But there's also oh, the working Jesus. class one. Look, he's a cunt, but he's our cunt. Yeah, you're Michael so Caine. So he, he lets him come along, right? And yeah. if I say he comes along, he comes along, right? Hun- honey. What? One of our listeners uh, texted us mm-hmm. or tweeted at us. Yeah. Um, can you get Meredith to actually do your sign off saying, see you next Tuesday? <laughs> I, I was like, I see what you're doing. Because, nope. Because every episode of our show drops on Tuesdays. And nope. if I say, see you <laughs> next Tuesday, then everyone's like, she said cunt. Yeah. She just said cunt. It'll be someone's ringtone. I'm going to do it at the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say, see you next Tuesday. Uh, you're such a daffy cunt. Yep. All right. We'll be right back. That I interrupted him. Wait, is that not? Is that I shouldn't probably say that. No, you didn't really. Listen, interrupt. I was about to. You got an inspiration. We went with it. I'm. Here's my issue. What? When I talk to you, you just one issue. <laughs> this is one of them. All right. When I talk to you, yeah. We have our own relationship. Do we? I I act a certain way with you that I would never act this way in front of, let's say, Barack Obama. Okay. Why does it always like you? You say that like that's your other option. It's either you or I'll hang out with Barack Obama. Because I love him so much. Oh, but my point is, I secretly hope and wish that he maybe would listen to this podcast. And if he did, he'd be disgusted because I just said "Welcome back, cunts." You guys can't do that. It's Obama. So let me say that again, as if Obama's listening. Okay. Mr. President. No. Wait. What? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Did You Get My Text? This is Meredith Salinger. Should we talk about something incredibly intellectual and progressive for this world? Um, I'll try, but... Uh... <laughs> Obama? I mean, yeah. Barry, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to speak the way I do. I apologize to my daughter every day for my poor language. Also, I say fuck a lot, and she says, Mommy, swear jar. Wow. Anyway, I'm sorry, everybody. I'll chill. I'll calm it down. It's it's inappropriate. It's disgusting. 
I'm, I'm ashamed. We're changing this uh, name of this podcast too. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> All right, um, honey, what was your gonna? What were you gonna say? I wanted to go down a little a rabbit hole, but it, it it's something that I it fascinates me. Uh, I was listening to there was a, there's a great Mike. There's judge. a TV show called Welcome Back Carter. Could have been Welcome <laughs> Back Cunts. Sorry, go on, go on. Damn. Babe. Sorry, go on. Wow. Now I really like that word. Yeah, you it's, really do. I know. I think everyone's gonna. You know what? what? My friend told me she listens to this with her kids, and the other day we we started talking about marijuana, and she's like, "Nope, gotta change the channel." Oh wow! So now I'm upset because children, my nieces are listening to this. Oh my god, what have I done? Those poor little cunts. Now, <laughs> oh my god. Um, I was listening. There's there's a great Mike Judge show, uh, Tales from the Tour Bus. Um, I think that's the t- title. But Mike Judge did a show where he talks to um, first season's country music uh, musician, second season is R and B and funk, and they tell stories about being on the road and and great tales that happened. Um, and they animate them. So there's one, and I cannot get the visual, not just the visual of it, but I just love those things And when there are moments in history, especially cultural history, where two people bump into each other that you would not imagine would happen. Like, like for instance, there's that very famous picture of Lenny Bruce when he's being let out of jail. He had been arrested for obscenity, and behind him was the one audience member that wouldn't show the police his ID and also got arrested with Lenny Bruce, and it was an 18-year-old George Carlin. Oh, And so he's, like, right behind, like, look at this historical thing happening. Yes, I saw that. Yes. There's also, there's footage of um, the Doors, and they're backstage at a concert. I guess they're doing an interview with Jim Morrison, and he's talking. It's, like, on, you know, 16-millimeter film, and Jim Morrison's talking about whatever, and then passing behind him is one of the roadie-slash-carpenters that's working on the tour and it's a, a shirtless 18 year old Harrison Ford oh my like god walks behind Jim Morrison to t- probably go get like some hammers or something so I love those weird oh who's bumping into who um and this is one of the weirder ones that I love also there's a great um Instagram feed by the uh, a drummer named John Worcester drummer for Super Chunk and many other bands and he has a an ongoing thing called rock and roll weirdness where he has people hanging out together in rock and roll that you would not think would hang out together or were just with each other for a moment and here's this weird, you know, bumping into history. Oh my God, what's happening? So this is one of those moments. And and, and for me as a big film buff, I truly love this. Um, it's an interview with George Clinton. George Clinton is on tour with P-Funk, P-Funk Parliament, all that funk, um, great, funk music from the late 60s, early 70s. And he is touring, I would imagine this is in 1967, and he and the um, band members are in a station wagon because they didn't have a lot of equipment. They're still struggling. And they're all on LSD, just out of their minds on LSD touring. And they're driving through rural Pennsylvania on the way to a gig, uh, and they pass through a little town called Swickley. And Swickley uh, is near, they're passing by this graveyard late at night, and suddenly, there are all of these looks like the walking dead are surrounding the station wagon. And George Clinton and the other members of P-Funk and Parliament are freaking out. Like, a couple of them are crying. And they're, there's zombies everywhere. Like, really, people, like, looked gory and they were bloody. And, and they're just, like, all walking around. They had driven into the set of George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Oh they were gosh. filming that movie in the late 60s, so they had all these extras dressed as zombies. Wow. And this funk band, who 
become parliament and P-Funk, basically. You know, oh we won't the funk. They're all on LSD. And so for that moment, this station George wagon. George Clinton. George Clinton, that whole group, pulled by, and they are surrounded by these rural Pennsylvanians dressed as zombies because they're shooting this movie. Oh, my god! And so for that moment, the world of funk and the birth of zombie movies collided for a second late at night in rural Pennsylvania outside the cemetery where they did it. And just the idea of that, these weird moments in history of people. You've talked about this before. You were uh, with Orson Welles the night before he died. And yeah. like just those weird, I just love those moments of, of what the f- what the fuck is this? How did these two people bump into each other? Yeah, it's like you know? Forrest Gump, how he was always with. Right. He always ended up in situations that sort of just fell into his lap. Can I make a caveat on this episode? Yeah. Um, is there like a way to put a warning on the episode, like for poor language? Because now I feel really bad about saying that word. And by the way, I didn't mean. We should call this episode We Say Cunt a Lot. Well, here's the problem. I meant aunts. A-U-N-T-S. Yeah. So it was a vocal typo. Yeah, I know. I just had a vocal typo. We get it. Yeah, I didn't mean to say cunts. I meant to say aunts. Oh, I meant to say cunts. No, baby. No. It was vocal typos. (laughs) Vocal typos, okay? You can't save it now, baby. How about we call the episode vocal typos? This is another one of my favorite uh, pop culture things colliding, history colliding. Uh, Back in 1974, uh, Sidney Lumet was directing a movie a prestige Hollywood picture outside of Austin. The cast had Anthony Perkins, Bo Bridges, Blythe Danner, Susan Sarandon. It was called Love and Molly. It was based on a Larry McMurtry novel. So this was like a big, this is going to be uh, a big deal movie. And um, it was, uh, and it was a complete bomb. And while they were shooting, this very scruffy, sketchy looking young hippie dude uh, snuck onto the set and was taking food from craft services because uh, he was hungry. And they th- security chased him off the set, like, get the hell out of here. And the person that they chased off the set was director Toby Hooper, who was like a mile away shooting the ultra cheapo, no stars, no budget, no nothing Texas Chainsaw Massacre and had gone over to the big Hollywood movie set to try to get some food for his people and they chased him off. And Loving Molly, like no one watches it, sank without a trace. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in the Library of Congress. You know, it made, cost 60, I think 80 grand to make. It's made 40, 50 million dollars. So just that idea of we are the big Hollywood production in town. And I don't know what these dumb hippies making their little monster movie you're doing but you know i'm sydney lumet you get the hell off my set so did that... i already tell you that i met sydney lumet and spent the day with him did yes. i tell you that did you listen to any of the story i just said were yeah. you listening to any of that yeah what did i just talk about i don't know see see well, i, I problem, swear Patton. to god it... no we are at a, we are with other people we're not just at home where you and i have to listen to each other we're in a place where there are three other people in uh-huh. the room and I thought you were just telling them the story. No, we were we're recording a podcast. <laughs> I said we're back, and here it is. I'm ready. That's the whole point of this. And you're like, my God, it's like you're a dog, and you're just going blah blah blah. And then you hear one name, Sydney Lumet. Did I? I uh, one time, I remember. I, oh my God, last week's episode. What we were talking about. Um, I mentioned. Uh, trying to make a big point about art and <laughs> philosophy and life. And I mentioned a, how Stephen King built this grand desk. He could be this big writer. And then he realized, no, I'm going to build a small desk and then make this room, have a TV room I and a pool table. And then you go, a pool table? I was at my friend's house <laughs> and we were playing pool. It's like, 
My God, do you? <laughs> well, obviously, I have a thing, baby, because if anything gets brought up, I have to. It sparks just like the food thing. If I see an ice cream cone, I need an ice cream cone. Yes, but if, if you I'm... say something, then I'm going to go, oh. But if I'm in a conversation about something that I don't know about, I can listen and learn something new and go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. And let me tell you something. What? I do do that with other people. With other people. But, <laughs> but on when a, you on start. A, but on a podcast where you actually need to be interacting with people. By the way, right before she, we started recording, she was in there going, how do people make money off of podcasts? These people I'm like, well, maybe I think one of the main reasons is they they're engaged with their other person <laughs> and really make it an interesting listen rather than sitting there checking their email and then going, Lumet, I met him one time. That's why we're not making any money off of this because it's like a guy, it's like I'm talking to a weird comatose person at a bus stop and then they just go, oh, acorns. A, a guy threw an acorn at my head in 1987. Like there's no, the conversation doesn't make any sense. Go on. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm no, done. No, I, I want to talk about what you're talking about. I finished what I wanted to talk about. Okay, good, because I didn't listen. <laughs> oh. Ladies and gentlemen, please send us $15 million. God, you can't sit here and go, why isn't our podcast making any money? And then you're just. I didn't say, why isn't our podcast making money? I said, do, how, how can we make money? Uh, yes, we can. <laughs> With a more engaged uh, banter, okay. perhaps. I am. I. That was I just tuned out on that one story. You tuned out for five minutes, and then you went, Lumet, I met him. <laughs> My God. Hey, you're, honey. Like an, you're like an Alzheimer's patient where you like play music from their air, and they go, oh, I remember that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, it brings me back to my childhood. And I remember in Russia old... when my grandmother and I. I gave him a hand job at a sock hop. Hey, Pat Oswald. Yes. I need to congratulate you. Hang on, are we recording? Are we back? We are recording always. He right, doesn't well, don't turn... lose. Don't use the hand job at a sock hop line. That's depressing. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That was great. All right. Okay. Um, Patton Oswald, I would mm. like to congratulate you. Oh. Apparently, you texted me something. Mm-hmm. That I never got to to uh, respond to. Oh, and what was that? Well, apparently you are a learning legend. You are in the top <laughs> 2% of Duolingo. You completed 365 days of Italian on Duolingo, and I am so proud of you. I think I got to like 265 days, and really? then I stopped. What were you doing, Spanish? Spanish, uh... Espanol, and I should have kept going, but then I got very busy. You did get crazy busy. Yep. And now that I do everything, you can just relax in your room and learn Duolingo. <laughs> like I'm not doing it. I take 15 minutes a day. I know. I'm proud of you. It. And it's really fun. Do you feel confident with your Italian or do you? Not not conversationally, but, I, but there have been some uh, – because now what I do is I will watch Italian films. Uh, we, we have, you know, access to like Criterion Channel and Canopy. So I've been watching a lot of Italian films and I will – Watch it, but keep the I will keep the um, subtitles. Subtitles kind of out of my vision, and I can <gasps> sort of put oh, together what they're no, saying. No, let me tell you something. First of all, it's a great idea. Second yeah. of all, you shouldn't keep the subtitles out of your vision. You should be listening and watching, and also seeing that the word so it it, it reinforces what the word means. Oh keep, yeah, maybe let yeah. the subtitle guide you. Let it guide you. But now I'm rewatching or and watching a lot of new Italian films, and it's been really helpful. And really, I just rewatched a film last night, Lazu. That I'm going to be Le doing zoo? a Lazoo, which is about um, it's shot in Malta where they shot Popeye. Oh, and, I, we've talked about Popeye. And I love that movie. It's a beautiful film about fishermen and the, how the world is changing around them because of 
economics and it's so well done and it's just and it as much as there's a plot there's also just scenes of like this is what their daily lives are like there's a scene where they this this priest comes out in a little boat and he goes by all the little lazus the little fishing boats and he blesses each one that's so cute before they go out and uh, there's all these little details that you you notice i love that i want to see that it's so beautiful hey honey Mm. Do you notice how engaged I am in this conversation? Oh, for God's sake. I'm now... looking. No, shush. I'm looking into your eyes. Uh-huh. I'm completely present. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Okay. Oh, I hear a siren going by. I wonder if. I'll leave it in its life. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Yeah, tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> so, this is a weird thing that I have. Uh, Every now and then, there's a book that I really, really love, and and I and I read it and reread it to the point where it's like I see the movie in my head. So, if an adaptation gets made of it, um, I'm initially excited. Ooh, I'm gonna yay! They're making a movie or a TV show out of it, whatever. But then I will see it, and it's just not the movie I had in my head. And this is no slam on the filmmakers, on the actors, directors, whatever, you get... Well, that's what's the beauty of reading. When you exactly. read a book, it's your own vision and it's your own your own world that you've created in your head, whether the lead character looks a certain way to you or the world looks a certain way. And so when the film doesn't match the vision you had in your head, it's a little right. bit strange, but anyway. But, but sometimes you can read a book and sometimes the book is not that good, like Peter Benchley's Jaws, and they make a genuinely way better movie out of it. Or sometimes the book is is good, and they still make a good movie out of it, um, like The Godfather. And sometimes the book is extraordinary. And they make a bad movie. And they and don't they, cover no, everything. No. Sometimes they make a book is extraordinary, and they somehow make an extraordinary movie out of it, uh, like Silence of the Lambs, which is an extraordinary book with details that are not in the movie, and they cut those details out. But the movie's make still the, good. But the movie is still amazing. That is a very rare miracle. So what are you talking about right well, now? Well, what I'm talking about is there's two movies coming out uh, that one well one's a TV show one's a movie that are based on novels I really love uh, well, one is based on a memoir one is based on a novel the memoir is called uh, The Tender Bar by J.R. Moringer and um, I've read this memoir I, probably at least two times maybe three and I know that there's a movie coming out about it and I am very very I'm very very excited but now I'm also really nervous because I have a very specific movie in my head, and I'm wondering if the movie comes out. What if it's even if it's good? I might think it's bad because it's not what I saw. So in you're my afraid head. to go watch it. I'm afraid to go watch it. Um, uh, so you want to hear like, oh my god, it's amazing. They really did a really great wait, adaptation. Yeah. You should go see it. Yes. Now the people that are adapting it are very, very capable and have done good stuff. So I'm. I, They're the best people. I have my. My hopes are up, but I'm then sure again, it's going to be great. Very capable people have have adapted some stuff in the past few years that I was... Hey, man, don't worry about it, okay? Don't worry about it. But I'm just like... What I'm saying is that this is just a weird ongoing thing with me. I get very um, protective and very... And the other one is You love a, books so much that you yeah. want to make sure that they are well represented on film yeah. too. And 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 sometimes and you love film so much. Sometimes the best way to, to represent something on film is, is to, to not, not do put it. it on film. Don't put it on film. Yeah. Can't put it on film. Right. Um the other one is a TV series coming up that again, I was initially very excited and now and it's weird because I was doing um parking at our daughter's school this morning and um and I saw the the mom that initially recommended this book to me and we we've been very excited about it but then we both this morning were like i don't know about this oh my god what if it's not good because we're both rereading the book now are you guys bonding 
It's a well. It's a book called Station Eleven. Oh, by Emily St. John oh, Mandel. Oh, everyone loves this book. It, it's so. Uh, it's it, not since Stephen King's The Stand have I read a book where I so clearly saw what each character looked like, how they acted, mm-hmm. how they were. Ninety-seven people have recommended this book to me. I cannot get over how good it is, and I know that there's a, 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 I believe it's an HBO Max series coming out about it. Very excited. I'm very excited, but I'm also, I might not watch it when it first comes out. I'm going to wait to hear from people, because I have a movie in my head, and I don't, like, for instance, and I'm not putting this- Will it ruin your life if you see something that's not good? Like, why not just see it? What I'm saying is it will- it will infect the memory and vision that I have. Oh, for instance, honey, keep them in what, two separate I, compartments. Well, I, you you try to, but like, for instance, Stephen King's The Stand is one of my favorite uh, novels of all time. And I watched the miniseries in the late 80s with Molly Ringwald and Rob Lowe and Franny Goldsmith. I have a very specific vision of what she looks like. and But then now part of it is... There's the static of Molly Ringwald in the vision right. that comes in. And then there's that new version that CBS did. And I had a very, very specific vision of what Randall Flagg looked like. And yes, the the guy that they got, um, Peter Sarsgaard, who's a fantastic actor, but he's not the, vision the you Randall had. Flagg I saw. And so now part of that is in my head and I'm a little... Well, just... this is sort of how I feel about Pirates of the Caribbean. At the ride at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Once they made the movies, they put Johnny Depp in the Pirates of the Caribbean. He wasn't there all those years before. No. They, like, changed it to match the movie. And I don't like that. I want the nostalgia of what it was. Like, don't, don't like, now that that was a big blockbuster, just put him in it. Right, right. Yeah, it was its own it. thing. It was its own thing. And they were both fantastic on their own. Separate. You don't need to try to blend them like that. No. And it try, yeah, so that, so I, I just get very, very protective. I understand. Of the book's. And the media that really land for me. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest disappointments was the adaptation of the book Perfume, which was a book that I read. I in think we talked a about Perfume. Day. Yeah, but the movie adaptation was terrible. It, not only was it terrible, I stopped it midway because I'm like, I've already seen a better movie and in I don't head. want any of this in my head. The right. minute, and I'm not, I don't want to say anything about it. You didn't but, like it, so you stopped watching it. And and same thing happened when I um watched I started watching the movie adaptation of the Lovely Bones, mm-hmm. and uh, a perfect book. And I'm like, nope. And same with the Kite Runner. I was just like, I've already seen a better movie. I don't need to watch this right Can now. Can I just uh, extrapolate this um, idea? Mm-hmm. When I was young, I had a crush on this boy, mm-hmm. and he was such a babe. Mm-hmm. And I went over to his house, and we were hanging out. And I saw his yearbook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, can I see your yearbook? And he goes, no. And I was like, why? He's like, it's an ugly picture of me. I'm like, I know what you look like. Right. He showed me the picture. <laughs> and I cannot. I suddenly was like, oh, God. Ew. And then I was like thinking, yeah, you know what? That's what he looks like. That's actually what he looks like. And then I stopped liking him. Or you thought he has the potential to look like that. It's that also, is in him. Sometimes you see sisters Mm-hmm. And like, one of them is a little like the stranger version of the sister that you know. Yeah. And you're sort of like, like, oh, her ear. Like, then you kind of see the your friend looking more like the sister, and then you're like, oh, that's what she looks like. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, her, her features 
that you didn't really pay attention to before. You're like, oh, that's a – yeah. Yeah. I'm weird, Patton. I remember – I forgot who said this. It was either Margaret Show or, or Kathy Griffin, but they talked about on stage. They went on a date with this guy that they just were so crazy about, and they were either, like at a dance club or something, and the guy moonwalked in a circle around her, and mm-hmm. she went, and the, when he finished that circle, I no longer liked him. Oh, yeah. all I needed well, to see. Yeah, that'll change your total <laughs> – Anyone who, like, if their behavior in any way yeah. is not appealing, you're like, oh, we're done. Yeah. And uh, speaking of we're done, we're done. Hey, we'll see you guys. Nope. You guys will hear us <laughs> next week. And one more thing. See you next Tuesday. Go! This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starburns Audio. A podcast. A podcast network.